This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, friends. So good to be back with you today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it's my privilege to continue to guide us as we engage with God this morning. And I just want to welcome you here. If it's your first time or your hundredth time, I just want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. I want you to know that you matter. You matter to us and you matter to God. Whether you've come since the very beginning or you're brand new today, we created this space for you to be a place where you could come, you could, you could kick your shoes off, get comfortable, grab a cup of coffee, and engage with God. And so we want to do that because we believe something to our core, that you're not just a face in the crowd, that you are a person who matters uniquely to God and you matter to us. That's why we do things like name tags, because your name matters, because your personhood really matters to us. And I believe something to my core. I believe that when we gather together, God wants to meet you this morning. Not us in the big sense, but like you in a very real way. And so I just hope that you do that. I've been praying for you today. I'm excited you're here. If you are a guest and we haven't met yet, I'd love to meet you. So I make my way out to the doors at the end of the service. I'd love to just say hi, hear your story, hear what brought you to new life, and just thank you for being here with us today. And we know it's a risk to come to a church for the first time, and so we have a little gift for you on the way out as well. Just our way of saying thanks for being here. So on the way out, make sure you grab your, uh, your guest gift when you head out. Uh, we want to make sure that we start our journey each week on the same page. So go ahead and grab your program, because this will get us all on the same page. Inside, you're going to grab this card that says start here. It's our connection card, and it's simply a way for you to have full access to our pastoral team so we can pray for you, so we can serve you in any way we can. We're going to be using these today as the service goes on. So uh, I've got a, a giveaway for you. So if you mark something on this card and turn it in, I'm going to send you something this week that I think will help you on your journey. So you're going to want to get that ready. The other thing you're going to want are our teaching notes. They've got the Bible verses we're looking at. Uh, they've got our fill in the blanks. They've got some discussion starters because my hope would be that this, uh, the message this morning is the beginning of a conversation you would have this week with your spouse or your housemates or your kids as you continue to engage with God. So go ahead and get that filled out, get your notes ready. Uh, and I want to highlight a few things happening in our community because sometimes as our community grows, we just, we lose sight of some of the great things that are going on. So I just want to highlight a few things that are happening right now. Uh, the first is for you if you're new-ish to new life. Coming up at the end of this month, on June the 26th, during our services, we've got something that we call Intro, which basically talks about the heartbeat of our church, why we believe what we believe, how that impacts everything we do, why we play the music we do, why we communicate the way we communicate, what we believe about community and life and transformation. If you're new to New Life, that would be a great class for you to check out. And if you want to come to Intro, or if you have questions about it, on the back of your card, you're going to want to mark Intro. And our pastor will get a hold of you this week and connect you into that. So that's exciting. Another exciting thing is next week we're launching off one of our teams to Mexico. So over 40 of us are headed to Mexico next week, which is pretty exciting, to build houses and work at an orphanage. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And I love the work that God does through our teams as they head down to Mexico to build and to serve in the orphanage. And each time we go, we ask our ministry partners, hey, what are some things you could use? What would be beneficial for you to have? And this year they said socks. Is there any way you could bring socks down to us for the families who you're going to be serving? And so uh, we're just putting that out to the church. If you have socks, not used socks, okay? I know it's, it's the end of the year and you're thinking, my kid's socks are done. Not those socks. Those socks go in the garbage. That's not goodwill. That is bad will to give to people. We're talking like 
packaged socks. If you have some of those, if you want to go grab some and bring them back here today, there's a, a box out there with wrapping paper. You could drop them in there. Or throughout the week, we have an office on the other side of the building. Drop them by the office between nine and five. We'd love to be able to, uh, to do that this week. So that's just something I wanted to highlight. And as we're getting into our time today, I want you to think back. Do you remember those old Choose Your Own Adventure books? Do you remember those books? Yeah. My daughter's heading into third grade. She just started picking Choose Your Own Adventure books again. Um, They were like the first interactive game in book form. It was way ahead of its time. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is what the Choose Your Own Adventure books were like. You would read up to a certain point, and then it would say to you, you've come to a cave. If you want to go through the cave, turn to page 47. If you want to go around the cave, turn to page 52, and you'd turn there, and then you'd go on your adventure all the way through, and it would take you forwards and backwards in the book. And it was so fun because, because we love choice, don't we? As Americans, we love choice. We love to choose our own adventure. Do I want to go in? Do I want to go around? Do I want to go above? And that doesn't just have to do with books. That has to do with life in general. Think back to Burger King, your way, right away. I mean, the burgers aren't that good, but you can get it your way, which is very exciting. I mean, think about Starbucks. Did you know that at Starbucks, you can choose from one of 87,000 different variations of drinks? No, no. 87,000 variations of coffee. You think that's a lot? How about Hulu Plus? If you have Hulu Plus, did you know that right now, while you're sitting in church, you could be watching one of 122,300 viewing options. We love choice, don't we? We love it. Love, love, love it. And today we're wrapping up our series called The Good Life. And it's been fun. We've been in this series for 10 weeks. Can you believe that? We started this the week after Easter. And we, this is probably the longest series we've done in years. For 10 weeks we've been going through this. Uh, and the series has been all about experiencing the life that God designed for you to live. Uh, if you missed any part of it, today's kind of like the epilogue to a really great story. So you're going to catch the end of it as Jesus kind of wraps it up, brings it all together. But if something today inspires you, you could actually go back and listen to the other nine weeks if you go to our website or download our podcast. And there's information about that inside your program. And I would highly recommend, parents, next week when your kids start saying, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. Go back to the sermon that I titled Anger, a good emotion with mixed results because it will really help you succeed this summer. It's a little gift from me to you. So just in case you missed it, I want to give us a quick recap. Here's what this whole teaching has been about. It's, it's coming out of something called the Sermon on the Mount, which is this, this major sermon that Jesus preached up on this hill when he was preaching to this wide variety of people from completely unchurched folks to completely religious, like paid religious professionals and everybody in between. And Jesus says there are some underlining themes that have to do with this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. The first is this, you and I live in two different realities. We live in the world we experience with our five senses, and then we live in the second world called the kingdom of heaven. And this is for anybody who's entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've entered into this unseen world called the kingdom of heaven that has two distinctives. The first is this. When you enter into this kingdom, you are God's child. You get adopted into God's family, and you have all the rights and privileges of a child of God. And the second reality is this, your heavenly father, God, is also the king in the kingdom of heaven. 
That means that his kingdom cannot ultimately be shaken. Like things will come, and we're going to get into this today. He says that, that waves can crash and, and rain can pour down. But ultimately, if you understand who you are, your place in the kingdom, and your identity in the kingdom, the waves of this world will not shake you. And based on those two realities, that you're adopted into God's family, and that you live in this unshakable kingdom, Jesus says, I want to talk to you about some of the underlying assumptions that you and I have about the world, the world we experience in our five senses. And here's what he says. We would think Jesus would say, I want to tell you what to do based on who you are. But he doesn't say that because he knows the truth, that just telling us what to do will never transform our lives. It might modify our behaviors for a little bit of time, but it will never transform our lives. And here's how you know, because anytime you see a highway patrol officer, what do you do? You slow down. It modifies your behavior for a short period of time. How long? Until they get off on the next off-ramp. And then you? (laughs) Because it did not transform your life. It simply modified a behavior because you knew what you should do, but knowing what we should do, the things we need to do, does not ultimately change our lives. It's kind of like this. If you're, if you're married and you believe that your husband is out to wreck your life, that he's just a deadbeat, no good, not trying to help you out, if that's the, the story you believe about him, it's going to affect your behavior, the way you treat him. Now, if you believe that your husband is, is literally God's gift to you, uh, my twin brother, this is so funny, for Halloween one year, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I'm going to. <laughs> for Halloween one year in college, he dressed up, he wrapped himself in wrapping paper and put a tag on it that said, two women from God. <laughs> that he was... Now, right? Now, if you believe, wives, that your husband is God's gift to you, if that's your assumption about him, then it will flavor your actions. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't tell us what to do in this series. He goes to our assumptions, our narratives, our stories, and he starts to dismantle the stories of the kingdom of this world versus the stories of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, based on these two stories, I want you to choose which path to follow. And that's how he's going to wrap this whole sermon up. Knowing how much you and I like choice and knowing the fact that God actually believes in you, that armed with the right stories and armed with our identity as children of God, that given the choice, Jesus believes we're going to walk in the kingdom of heaven. So here's what he does. He says, I want to give you a choose-your-own-adventure as you wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to do it by talking about two paths you could take, by talking about two trees, by talking about two fruits, and by talking about two builders. And here's how he jumps into it. Jesus says, imagine that you're walking along a dirt road and you come up to two paths and you have to make a choice which path to go down. He says this in Matthew 7, verse 13. He says, you've got two paths. I want to encourage you, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many people will enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Now, there are two ways to go. We can take the path of this world, which is the path that we experience with our five senses. And and Jesus says that path is broad, and a lot of people walk down this path. Here's what this path looks like. In this path, autonomy is the main goal. And by autonomy, I mean this, that we would make enough money that we could do whatever we want, 
whenever we want, with whomever we want. That we are in charge of our own lives. He says, that's the path of this world. That you would have enough influence, enough power, enough resources to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want. And if you want to go down that path, it's going to start out good. As long as you have the prerequisite that you don't hurt anybody. That's what we say, right? Do what you want, when you want, with who you want. Just don't hurt anybody. Except we don't actually define what hurting anybody looks like, except for don't murder anybody. And most of us, I'm looking out. Yeah, most of us, I think, are doing pretty good with not murdering anybody. And so we walk down this path. Somebody just said it's early in the summer. That's true. That's true. Here's the great thing about this path. And Jesus, anytime he lays out these options, he says, listen, there's benefit to both. The great thing about this path is you get to be the God of your own path. That sounds pretty good, right? I can choose whichever way I want to go. I'm in charge. I set the rules. As long as I don't murder, which is, I could probably handle that. I can actually do almost anything I want. But the problem of this path is we won't get very far down this path before we look in the rearview mirror of our life and realize that we've left a wake of destruction behind us. And here's why. By definition, if the world is about me and I run up against you, we're going to have some conflict because I want what I want and you want what you want. And so we're going to have to fight it out until one of us gets what we want. And either I'm going to win and you're going to lose or you're going to win and I'm going to lose. But if you walk down this path where you're in charge and what you want rubs up against what I want, whether it's nationally or personally or in your family or in your marriage or with your kids, when we butt up against each other, the most powerful person will win. The least powerful person will lose. So even if you're winning, you look back and you're losing because you're hurting people as you walk down this path. So Jesus says, I want to invite you to a different path, to a narrow path, to the road less traveled. And on this narrow path, there is one God, but guess what? It's not you. It's not me. Jesus says, I'm the God of this path. I call the shots. I tell you which way to go and when to turn right and when to turn left and how to walk with me in the kingdom. And here's the great thing about this path. In this path, Jesus, who's the God, is not only looking out for what's best for you, but he's also looking out for what's best for me and best for you and you and even you way in the back and all of the yous in the entire world. So Jesus says if you walk down this path, even though it's narrow, the great thing is, It's going to be good for you, and it's going to be good for me because he's watching out for both of us. Now, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for you and easy for me. In order for everyone to win, everyone has to compromise. That means that sometimes you look at your spouse and you say, I'm going to put your needs before my needs because Jesus says for us to both walk down this path means that I put your needs before mine and you put my needs before yours. It means that sometimes we're going to have to forgive someone when they've hurt us deeply because Jesus calls the shots down this path. It means that we give sacrificially to the work of God because Jesus calls the shots walking down this path. It means that in work, we choose the ethical decision even if it costs us a promotion because Jesus calls the shots on this path. It's a good path. I said it this way. Following Jesus on the road less traveled 
where he's calling the shots. It's not always easy, but it's always right. Let that sink in for a second, because I need some coffee. (laughs) It's not always easy. Following Jesus, if anybody told you that following Jesus is always going to be easy, man, we sold you a bill of goods. It's not always easy because it means lessening ourselves so that others can be built up. But it's always right because Jesus is always looking out for your good and my good and our good together. But Jesus says, you choose. I trust you enough that armed with this entire series in the Sermon on the Mount, armed with the narratives of this world versus the narrative of the kingdom, Jesus says, I'm trusting you to choose the narrow path. And I'm assuming since you're in church, we're all going to choose the narrow path together. So I'm just going to go in that direction. So turn to verse 15 if you choose to follow the road less traveled. Because this is a choose-your-own-adventure. And find out how to walk down this path. Jesus says, here's how you walk down the path. If you're going to follow me, you need to watch out for false prophets or false preachers, false pastors, false teachers. Here's why. Because they're going to come in sheep's clothing, looking very kind and good and right but inwardly, they're like ferocious wolves. You think to yourself, well, how am I going to know who they are? Well, he tells you, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Maddie, this morning, my seven-year-old, was eating some fruit with breakfast. And she said, Dad, it just doesn't taste good. I said, well, it looks good. Eat it. No, I didn't say that. I said it. <laughs> we weren't running that late for church. I said, well, it looks good. She said, Dad, it just doesn't taste right. Sure enough, it wasn't. It, was, it wasn't ripe. It was kind of hard and nasty and gross. So, so you got you to taste the fruit to see if the fruit is good. So how do you know if they're good? Well, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. He says, do you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, and remember, he's talking about religious leaders, prophets, priests, pastors, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you choose to walk down the narrow path, it's not always easy because you're going to be walking against the traffic of the broad path. And you're going to have all kinds of messages from the broad path telling you, come over here, this is the way to go. In the end, it will leave a wake of destruction, but you don't hear that on the way in. You only see that in the rearview mirror. And Jesus says, we cannot walk alone on this path. He says, if we're going to walk on the road less traveled, we need a strong church community. That's what he's saying. When Jesus wrote this message, it was the assumption that every follower of God would have a committed faith community. It was just the assumption that you would gather together regularly, that you would worship, that you would engage with God, that you'd have a community to help you uh, answer the big questions of life. But today, there's so much going on for us. And it's like, Jesus, you you don't know what it's like to live in 2015. There's so, or 2016. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) School's out for summer. (laughs) You and I look at Jesus, and we think that, that might have worked 2,000 years ago, this whole engage in a faith community. But that doesn't work now. 
our weekends are packed. There's so much to do. We live in Sonoma County. Are you kidding me, God? If you wanted me to go to church, you should have put me somewhere where it rains all the time. Or Fresno, somebody said. (laughs) Or Barstow. Sorry if you live in Barstow. Welcome to heaven. Uh, But that's the world we live in. Did you know, here's something kind of startling as a pastor, and this isn't just a Sonoma County trend, this is a across the United States statistic. Here's something kind of startling as a pastor. The average committed follower of Jesus, committed, like fully committed to God, goes to church less than twice a month. You're all thinking, well, I'm here today, so. (laughs) Think about that, though. That means over the course of a year, we're engaging in worship, in teaching, we're engaging in practicing giving and generosity. We're, we're engaging with relationships in the larger church body somewhere between 12 and 24 times over the course of a year. Think about that. Now contrast that to the fact that we get messages every day from the broad path telling us, come over here. This is where true life is found. And Jesus isn't saying, get your backside in a seat at church. Here's what he's saying. You and I need a faith community to give us messages of hope and truth and transformation as we walk down the narrow path. We need that community. We need it. And so he invites us to a church gathering. He doesn't require us to a church gathering. We don't take attendance every week. He invites us there because he knows that we need, we need messages about hope and truth. We need someone speaking to us about marriage and family and work and life and purpose from God's perspective because we have a whole path over here that we hear six days a week. We need at least one day to engage here. But Jesus says it's not enough to find a church. You've got to find a great church. And it's really interesting what Jesus says is the marker of a great church. It's not what you and I would define, most of us anyway. Most of us would say, when I'm looking for a church, here's what I'm looking for. The worship's got to be good. Now we define it differently. The music's got to be this volume, not a decibel higher or lower. Or else it's too quiet, I can't even hear it. Or it's too loud, I can't even hear myself worship. I wonder, can God even hear it through all the noise? I had someone say that to me once. I said, I'm pretty sure he can't, and I'm so glad the music's loud, because my voice is so bad. We pick a church based on, does the pastor preach like through a whole book of the Bible, or does the pastor preach in series? But did you know that that's not what Jesus says to look for in a church? He's less concerned with whether or not the pastor preaches through a book of the Bible or through a teaching series. He's less concerned with whether or not we sing hymns or have electric guitars. Jesus says, look for the fruit of your leaders. That's what you want to look for. Because listen, you can put on a great show and draw a lot of people in. But the fruit of your leaders, where the leaders go, the church will follow. And I've been to churches that are 10,000 plus people. And I'll tell you this, I think new life can hold our own with any mega church in the world. I really do. I think our worship teams are incredibly talented, don't you? Incredibly talented, yeah, yeah. You know, Ron and Angela and Jake, they preach here and I am catching up, you know? Like our preaching is pretty good, pretty good. But that's not why you should pick new life. You should pick new life, and I'm glad you have, and I can tell you with authenticity, this should be your church, and here's why. Our leaders, the women and men who lead this church, lead with humility, 
lead with authenticity, lead with joy, lead with conviction. We don't always get it right. We make mistakes. We make the wrong leadership choices along the way. But we do it honestly seeking God, praying for his guidance. And that's why I say new life should be your church. Because Jesus says, look at the leader. Where the leaders go, the church will follow. And look at their fruit. And our fruit, it's tasty. It's ripe. It's good. So find the right church, he says, if you want to walk down the path. And then invest yourself there. And I was thinking, what's investment look like? And I want to tell you what I think it could look like, not what I think it has to look like. Because I think in church, a lot of the time we say, this is what it looks like for you to be involved in a church. I think that's just, it's a little bit too, I don't know. Here's what it could look like to be involved in a church. It could look like investing yourself here on Sundays. Whenever you're in town, just being here, worshiping, learning, giving sacrificially to the work of the church, giving financially, giving of your time to serve in ministry. This is what it could look like. It could look like jumping into a life group, forming community, forming friendships, praying for each other, serving each other's needs, engaging with each other. It could look like joining a ministry team, finding friendship, finding camaraderie, serving together, sharing life. I love that our ministry teams are transforming right now. I love looking on Facebook on Sunday nights and seeing our live teams going out to dinner afterwards or Applebee's. They're student ministries. It's like 9.30 and they're just going out to get food. I'm getting into bed. (laughs) Praise God that they serve students and I serve in the morning. But I love that. I love that I got a call from one of our worship leaders, Maria, who happens to be my wife, at... At nine o'clock on Thursday night after worship practice was over, and she said, hey, Kev, can we, our team wants to go out and just go to Applebee's and have fun together. I love that. Our ministry teams, for the first time in a long time, are forming actual relationships, community, and in community, transformation happens. So it could look like jumping onto a ministry team, investing yourself there. It could look like a lot of things, but I'm telling you, if we don't invest in the life of the church, we just get busy. We just get busy. And it's so easy to drift back to the broad path just because we're busy, not because we're bad intentioned, not because we're evil people, but life gets busy. So Jesus says, invest yourself here so that you can fully engage. And once you've decided to invest yourself in the church, you come up to another fork in the road. And if you want to choose to invest yourself in the road less traveled, Jesus says, turn to verse 21, and I'll tell you how to choose it when you get to the next fork in the road. And here's what he says. And by the way, this gets a little confusing right here. So I'm going to read the whole thing, then I'm going to try to break it out for us because it looks like Jesus is talking out of both sides of his mouth. Here's what he says. Not everybody. So now we're, we're following God down the narrow path. Now we're investing in ministry. We're taking the road less traveled. We're investing in the life of a church. And then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name? And I will tell them, I never knew you. Get away from me, evildoers. He's getting harsh again. I didn't, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Here's what Jesus is saying. He starts off by saying, only people who do the will of God can walk down the narrow path. 
And in his word picture, a whole group of people look at him and say, Lord, Lord, they're calling out to him. It's like this emphatic cry out to God, like the deepest worship experience you ever had. If you got like your hands in the air, or maybe you're not a hands in the air, but you were like, you were like T-Rex in it. You were like here, your hands were almost in the air. It's like. Like it was a powerful worship experience. You didn't get on your knees, but you were bending them. Lord, Lord, they say, we did your will. We cast out demons in your names. We did miracles in your name. You're telling us only people who do the will of God enter into the kingdom, can walk down the road. And and they're saying, we did your will. And he says something so interesting. He says, but I never knew you. Did you know that it's possible to do good God-honoring Christian things and completely miss God? Did you know it's possible to be a pastor and preach every Sunday and miss God? Did you know that it's possible to serve in the church, go to a life group and miss God? Here's what Jesus is saying. These people are come up to him and they say, we've been good workers, God. We've been good workers. And Jesus says, God is not looking for workers. He's looking for children who want to enter into the family business. And there's a huge difference. Workers work for an employer to get a paycheck. But Jesus is saying this, God's looking for children to engage with him in the family business. That's what ministry is. It's just engaging with God in the family business. And he's saying, the only way to do that is to, is to get to know me like your heavenly father. Because the more you know me, the more you'll trust me. The more you trust me, the more you'll want to follow me down this narrow path. And the more you follow me down this narrow path, the more freedom you'll find. You could say it this way. If we're going to walk down that road less traveled, we need, each of us, to personally get to know God as our heavenly father. And the thing I love about our church is we give tons of opportunities for that. Worship services, life groups, those are opportunities to get to know God. We do this leadership program called Legacy, which is just a way to kind of develop volunteer leaders within the church to serve in the church and in the city and in the workplace. We invite you to serve in ministry. That's a way to get to personally know God. We're working on something right now, and I mentioned it last month, called Core Curriculum, or a few months ago, called Core Curriculum. It's like a, it's like a path uh, to help develop us and disciple us and teach us some, some key things about life and faith. We're working on that, and, and as we tweak it, then we'll be unveiling it more and more as time goes on. We give you Bible reading plans. We've got tons of opportunities, but the truth is, you and I have to make the choice to personally get to know God to say, I'm going to make this a priority to invest myself in knowing God. And Jesus says, the more you know me, then you'll start to work out of the right motives because he's not looking for a labor force. God could literally, could literally use anyone or anything to do what he wants in this world. In the Bible, he used, he used donkeys to give messages. Donkeys. Nope, I'm not even going to say that joke that I remember because <laughs> it's just not appropriate. Come up to me after service, I'll tell you about it. (laughs) He doesn't need us to be workers. He's adopted us to be kids. And then to work in the family business from the place of 
being his kids. Now, if you want more information about how to get to know God personally, there are various paths that different ones of us take based on our personalities that help us get to know God. On the back of your Start Here card, where it says, um, I want to apply today's teaching, it says, I'd love some information about various ways to engage with God on my own. If you mark that down, I'll send you a link this week with some different ways based on who you are and how you're wired to get to know God. It goes beyond just reading your Bible. It actually expands beyond that. And then Jesus says, turn to verse 24, and he's going to wrap the whole thing up. If you want to take the road less traveled, here's the payoff at the end. Anyone who hears these words of mine, and this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock, and the rain came down, and the stream rose up, and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it, and I want you to underline this or circle it or put an emoticon next to it, it did not fall. That's good news. Because it had its foundation, where? On the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish person who built their house on the sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose up and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. How many of you, I want you to raise your hand, I'm not going to call on you. How many of you have ever been in a city or a town when a tornado touched down? Anybody? A handful of us. I've been in two different cities when tornadoes touch down, which is kind of crazy since I grew up in Pasadena and now I live in Sonoma County. Two different cities. I remember the first time I was 23 years old in Madison, Wisconsin, and we were at this big hotel at a conference and all of a sudden these sirens started going off. I had no idea what was happening and they said, a tornado's gonna touch down in Madison. Everyone needs to go underground. And my only experience with tornadoes was the movie Twister. And so I imagined it to be something like this. I think we have a picture of it up on the screen. I imagined it to be something like that back there. Me riding on a twister. Heaven. Yeah, that's, that's a good picture. And so everyone's running, like running downstairs like little lemmings. And right when we get to the front door, I just, I peel off and go outside. Because that's what you do when you want to see a tornado. You, you run outside. So I run outside and it's like, dead silent. No rain, no nothing. The the clouds, the sky is this weird greenish color. There it is. The sky is this... (laughs) Yeah. The sky is this weird greenish color, and I'm thinking, what's the big deal? Why is everyone downstairs? And then all of a sudden, the rain started to pour, and hail, and lightning, and thunder, and the rain's coming sideways, and the wind, and I ran. I did not walk. I ran downstairs, and I was a praying man that night. And the tornado passed over. Now, can you imagine if I was out in the middle of nowhere, no shelter for miles, and someone says, there's a tornado coming. And I stayed outside to look and thought, wow, this is great. I can't wait to see the tornado. And then it touched down. Could you imagine what would happen if I said at that point, you know what? I need to start building a shelter because there's a tornado like 100 yards away from me and it's coming my way. There's a storm coming my way. I should probably build a shelter right now. I would have died. I would have died. And Jesus says, in life, there are going to be storms. There just are. He doesn't say, if the rain comes down and the floods rise up and the wind blows against your house. He says, when the rain comes down, when the water rises up, when the wind beats against your house, your house will not fall if it's built on a foundation. Here's what he's trying to tell us. 
Building a foundation takes time. It takes time. And when times are good, when there's no rain, when there's no wind, there's no reason to think we shouldn't take the broad path. But when time gets hard, and it will, Jesus says, when cancer strikes, when your marriage gets rough, when your kids go sideways, when you lose your job, when you lose your house, when times get tough, and they will, my hope for you and Jesus' hope for you is that you'll be able to look and realize, wow, my life has been built on a solid foundation. I've got a church community that I can go to, and they're going to wrap me in their arms, and they're going to pray for me, and they're going to help me meet my needs, and they're going to be there for me. That's not the time to say, I need to find a church. When the cancer strikes, when the marriage gets tough, when you lose your job, my hope for you and God's hope for you is that that's the time you look and say, well, I've got an authentic relationship with Jesus. I can actually talk to God about what's going on. I know he hears. I know he's responding. That's not the time to say, boy, I used to know about God when I was a kid. I wonder if he's still there. The invitation of Jesus is this, to build our life on God's plan in the good times so that we're ready in the hard times. That's how he closes the whole sermon. Build in the good times. Invest in the good times. Follow the narrow path in the good times. Invest in your church community in the good times so you're ready in the bad times. So when the wind comes and the waves come and the flood comes and the rain comes, you won't get blown over. You won't get blown away. You won't get wrapped up in the tornado and end up in Never Never Land. And mix your metaphors. (laughs) But you'll have a foundation. But I love Jesus. I love him because he's a gentleman. He doesn't force his his way on you. He doesn't beat you into submission until you take the narrow path. He doesn't guilt you into it. He says, the choice is yours. And so I'm going to leave us with that. The choice is yours. You get to choose your own adventure. And if you're here today, and this is all brand new to you, Christianity is brand new, the church is brand new, you're wondering, well, how do I get going on that path? Jesus says there's a simple way to walk down that path, and here's how you do it. You just acknowledge that you're lost apart from God, that you've been walking down the path of your own leadership where you were your own God. And you say to Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow your path. I want to walk with you. I want to experience life with you. I want to experience your grace, your love, your forgiveness. I want to experience your transformation and your leadership. And God says, when you do that, he will respond to you. He will adopt you into his family. He will make you part of the kingdom. And he'll give you the power to walk the path. So I'm going to pray right now. And if you're here and you've never entered into a personal relationship with God, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now, to pray and say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. So would you join me as we pray together? You can repeat these words after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you gave your life for me so that I could be adopted into God's family. And I want to walk the narrow path with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me how to walk down this path? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.